Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And today, like many other days in Virtual Legality, we're going to be talking about Bungie. Now, in those prior days in Virtual Legality, we were talking about Bungie with respect to the business model they choose to sell their capstone product, Destiny 2, under, and my issues with the way that is reflected in what they're doing and their terms of service and everything else. Today, we're going to be talking about Bungie in a very different capacity. But first, let's let Bungie speak for itself. Bungie is built on empowering our people, no matter who they are, where they are from, or how they identify. We have a responsibility to acknowledge, reflect, and do what we can to push back on a persistent culture of harassment, abuse, and inequality that exists in our industry. It's our responsibility to ensure this type of behavior is not tolerated at Bungie at any level, and that we never excuse it or sweep it under the rug. While the accounts in this week's news, and here's where I stop to point out that this Twitter thread is from July 22nd of this year, are difficult to read, we hope they will lead to justice, awareness, and accountability. We have a zero tolerance policy at Bungie for environments that support this toxic culture, and we are committed to rooting them out to defend those who are at risk. Women, people of color, and underrepresented communities have nothing to gain by reliving their trauma. We believe them when they come forward with reports of abuse or harassment. We don't pretend that Bungie is perfect and that no one has experienced harassment while working here, but we will not tolerate it and will confront it head on. And we will continue to do the work every day to be better. Our goal is to continue to improve the experience for everyone working at Bungie and do our part to make the gaming industry as a whole be more welcoming and inclusive. And as I pointed out, this is from July 22nd, 2021, a matter of days after the state of California through their Department of Labor and Employment and Housing sued Activision Blizzard for, among other things, pay discrimination, hiring discrimination, and of course, sexual harassment. Now, I had a few thoughts when this happened in my Activision Blizzard videos, and let's look at those right now. Now, there are a couple of threads on Twitter and on social media that went out that I would describe as preening. And I say that because I don't think it's a great look for a company to go out there when all of this is happening to a different company. And I brought up Bungie here because this is the one that was the most prominent to me and say things like Bungie is built on empowering our people. And we have a responsibility to acknowledge how we can push back on a persistent culture of harassment. We have a zero tolerance policy at Bungie, which remember is exactly what Activision said. And then a now, as I said there, I was basically from the beginning a little bit uncomfortable with a company jumping in to really make itself part of the news story that was a very bad one for an industry competitor and a company that Bungie itself had taken tens of millions from in order to fund their project, which is now known as Destiny 2. I also pointed out in many other videos in this playlist that it always felt to me like a thou doth protest too much kind of situation. Bungie coming in saying we're better than Activision Blizzard, we're very disturbed by everything happening over there, was always going to be a little bit, I believe I described it in this very video a few minutes after the clip I just played for you, icky. And that's a legal term of art. But what I mean to say is it never quite felt right. And it certainly didn't feel right a month later when Bungie comes out with, hello everyone, I'm Pete. Bungie's CEO, which of course I tweeted about because that intro for any corporate statement, absolutely ridiculous. But 
They wanted credit, not just for that Twitter thread, we're better than Activision, our former partner, but we're way better than them. These past few months have been a sobering reminder for all of us as we hear and listen to the multitude of stories highlighting how good people across our industry have been mistreated. At Bungie, we are committed to fostering a safe and welcoming environment for everyone and to making conscious and constant improvements through listening, self-awareness, improving our workplace and our systems, and by acting on behalf of our people. We aren't perfect and appreciate it when concerns are brought to our attention for the things we've known about. We've taken action and we are working to address issues as they come up. And I actually gave them credit for this part of their Twitter thread and these announcements when they happen. It is good to note that no company is perfect. If you come up on a certain size, there are going to be bad apples that hopefully you can identify and punish and get out of your company if that's what is necessary for whatever it is those bad apples did. And this is the right kind of messaging to say that, but you can see in retrospect, especially that they are trying to establish that they're better than most prominently Activision Blizzard, but also other industry participants. As things come up that we've known about, we've taken action. Well, we've got a video for you all today. They also want credit for what they've done. Our efforts have proven valuable. We hope other leadership teams may see and acknowledge that this isn't just a challenge for us to collectively confront, but an opportunity to learn and grow. Other leadership teams should learn from the way Bungie handles itself. We believe that leadership must model our commitment to an inclusive and diverse work environment. And as of 2021, members of underrepresented communities comprise 50% of Bungie's board. We've hired a chief people officer. We've hired a deeply experienced DNI, diversity and inclusion director. We will be eliminating mandatory arbitration clauses in our employment agreements, reviewing our hiring practices, investing in tools, avoiding bias, adding an additional third-party reporting tool. And externally, just to remind you, we do this through our foundation via fundraising efforts in support of crucial human rights or social justice movements and natural disasters. Not only are we handling things internally, we are bungee. We've got a foundation. We're funding things externally, human rights, social justice movements, money for natural disasters. We're not Activision Blizzard. I'm Pete. But as of yesterday, or at least earlier this past week, we of course get the seemingly inevitable article from IGN, The Battle for Bungie's Soul, Inside the Studio's Struggle for a Better Work Culture. Now, we're going to go through this in some level of detail. It is very, very, very long. So we'll be skipping salient parts that I think are either repetitious to what is already in the article that you can absolutely 100% check out for yourself. I will link it in the description of this video. I recommend doing it. But I also want to, of course, give my commentary, see exactly what's happening here. And I'll tell you before we start that I'm of two minds on an article of this type. Like many of the things that we discuss in this space, it is anonymously sourced for the most part. And I will give full credit to the one non-anonymous source that we'll be talking about when we look at that. That's a hard thing to do. I understand that. And that deserves respect and applause, even if you might wind up agreeing or disagreeing with some of the things that this individual has to say as part of this article. That is worthy of recognition. But this is not Activision Blizzard. We're going to get through this. I've named this hoisted by their own bungee cord because I think they did. I think that Twitter thread that I talked about way back in July and again today to start this video was actually the impetus behind getting to an article of this type. Had Bungie not done that, I have real reason to believe that this type of thing wouldn't have happened. And also... There are places here that are expanding the scope 
of the change that some of these anonymous sources want to see at the company and in the industry past where I think everyone agrees that there's a problem. When we talk about Activision Blizzard, when we talk about sexual harassment, some of the stories coming out of that, I think every right-thinking person can look at those stories and say, if those are true, that's bad. That needs to be weeded out. The industry needs to be clean. This doesn't actually assert the same kind of problems at Bungie that were happening at Activision. It definitely asserts a certain amount of dysfunction that I think anybody that's played Destiny can probably attest to, and we'll talk about that when we get to it. And it certainly asserts what I will call, again, with a legal term of art, assholes and bad managers at the company, which are their own kind of problem and probably deserving of firing and cleaning up to make sure everybody can get a productive work environment in place. But it also expands past that. It talks about microaggressions. It talks about not supporting social movements internally at the studio enough. It talks about a lot of things that expand the gambit of when IGN should be concerned with how the internal structure of a company functions, how they would like either the anonymous sources or IGN itself, you to feel about those particular issues. And I'm not going to sit here in virtual reality and tell you to feel one way or the other. I will note that we've expanded past that area where I think everybody can agree that something is bad. And so we're going to talk about those. We're going to talk about some of the agenda editorial kind of comments that IGN makes within this article, because I think Bungie is rightfully hoisted on its own petard, but also is the subject of a bit of a hit from what are anonymous, primarily disgruntled employees. That doesn't mean we should just say none of this is true. In fact, I would be willing to bet that most of it is. But in terms of the framing here, we should be taking it with a bit of a grain of salt as we do with any other anonymously sourced article. So let's dive in to, again, a very, very long article. In September, Bungie made a huge announcement after the developers spoke publicly about its desire to push back on a toxic work culture. CEO Pete Parsons pulled back the curtain on a number of new initiatives in an effort to recognize our shortcomings. The announcement was lauded across the industry, but the response from within the company was different. So again, I did name this hoisted by their own Bungie cord for a reason. The tweets, the reactions to Activision Blizzard, the effort internally at Bungie to publicly separate themselves from their long-term business partner didn't go so well if you've got skeletons in your own closet. And mostly, a company of a thousand people is going to have some folks that are upset at it. And if you go out with a kind of virtue signaling message, you're going to get some people that call up IGN or call up GameSpot or call up Jason Schreier or whoever it might be and say, well, I've got a few stories to tell you and they will happily take those stories. So I think... Bungie should know better than to jump into somebody else's crisis, which is one of the things I was telling them in that video. But also, it's important to get this news out there. So I'm, again, of two minds when we look at articles like this one. Many of its current and former employees felt that their experiences at the company, going as far back as 2011 and as recently as this year, so we're talking about the last decade, dramatically clashed with Bungie's virtuous self-portrait. Now, who did IGN talk to? IGN has spoken to 26 current and former employees that have worked at Bungie within the last decade. It's a substantial number, but it isn't a substantial number for the overall population of people that have worked at Bungie in the last decade. Uh, you'll see a reference in this article to the fact that Bungie is 800 plus people now. Obviously, a, a markedly different size than Activision Blizzard. Activision Blizzard, almost 10,000 people working under its various auspices. Here, we've got a single company working on primarily a single product, although you'll see reference in this article to mentions of incubation and other projects that might come to fruition. And yet, they appear to have 
similar, but definitely not identical, issues in part to what Activision Blizzard was experiencing. As IGN says here, their accounts of the studio's work culture encompass a wide range of experiences. They span overt sexism, boys club culture, crunch, and HR protection of abusers. So sexism, boys club, a little bit unclear how that differences from frat culture, crunch, which is kind of tossed in there with a different labor type problem in the video game industry. And one that I think a lot of people recognize uh, as going on around a lot of these various companies and HR protection of abusers, but we don't actually get a reference point to what abuse might be here, as well as more complex stories of microaggressions, systemic inequalities, and difficulties in being heard. We'll have to hear more from IGN. However, interviewees also include a number of more recent employees who, despite their own hurts, truly believe the studio is slowly but steadily improving. And you'll actually see here at the end, I call this kind of a quasi-hit piece against Bungie. It also includes a quasi-saving piece. The last section of this article, which we are actually going to cover a lot because it's quoting massive sections of Bungie's response, which we are going to cover, it says, hey, Bungie is getting better. And a lot of people actually think it is getting better. So some of this might be old news, which of course, if we recall in the Activision Blizzard case is basically what Activision Blizzard said is that these are older stories before at least 2019. And you'll want to keep that date in mind because 2019 is going to come up again here. Now, how does a massive AAA gaming company of 800 plus employees fully root out a toxic culture and become a truly safe, diverse, and healthy place to work? Well, IGN has some thoughts. There is seemingly no better microcosm for Bungie's historic company-wide cultural troubles than its narrative team. It's unclear to me exactly what is historic about this, but that's fine. Several sources spoke of a narrative team lead from the time of Destiny 1 who appeared to suffer massive burnout during the project, creating an increasingly toxic work environment for others on the team, enough so that team members kept a countdown of days since his last explosion on a whiteboard Many people I spoke to were familiar with the story of him throwing a chair at a window because he felt others were ruining his creative vision of the game. And on this particular point, this is the very first thing they bring up, right? And, and you've seen in virtual legality how I look at these articles, whether it's a charging document or a case broad or an article like this one, and I always, get, I always give special credence to what you open with because every author knows that that's what people are going to pay the most attention to. And you'll note from this paragraph, this is the very first thing they really talk about, that you are definitely dealing with, again, term of art, asshole managing this team, as described by these anonymous sources. But you're not actually seeing anything that differentiates people based on a protected class, says anything specifically about how those people are operating, identifying them in a specific way. You're seeing what I would charitably describe. And no, I wouldn't work in an environment like this. So let's make that clear. An artist. Uh, that is very, very specific about the art they want to produce, has to use a team to do it, and is getting very frustrated because they're a poor manager of people. Now, that isn't good for your business. And in fact, you should probably root these people out for management positions. But when we talk about the company having been hoisted on its own petard against Activision Blizzard, this is not realistically what we're talking about. Here, we're talking about a company that's dysfunctional, certainly worthy of an IGN story, but slightly different from the Activision Blizzard scandal in and of itself. And yet, IGN notes, he stayed at the studio for several years. Some sources who had encounters with him during this later period said that he would frequently issue narrative direction despite no longer being a senior team member and would become angry when he felt the Destiny 2 writers were deviating from his original vision for Destiny 1. He had some kind of artist ownership 
of the story that he wanted to tell, and it got away from him. And you can empathize with that feeling bad. Certainly, you don't have to empathize with the next sentence. One source told a story of him yelling at her over the phone so aggressively that she was brought to tears. And yet, mostly what we're dealing with here is an asshole. And one I would bet that you can actually identify here. I will make note of the fact that I didn't go through the effort of trying to identify these specific people in these time frames uh, because I don't think that's warranted from an anonymously sourced article put forth by IGN, but I'm sure that you could look it up if you wanted to. This lead was not the only narrative team member impacted by burnout on Destiny 1, and after much of that team left following its release, Bungie assembled a new team for Destiny 2 that over time became staffed by women and people of color at a ratio higher than many other teams at the largely white and male Bungie. However, it was run during this period by a series of white male leaders who, according to many of our sources, made life miserable for their writers for years. Now, I'm all aboard the calling out assholes train, but it's unclear to me why the distinction that they're all white and male was made by IGN here. There's a certain kind of line of thought that runs through this article that effectively the women and minorities and underrepresented folks at the company are virtuous and good, and the white males are keeping them down and otherwise bad at Bungie. And that might be the case based on how Bungie is constructed, but I think you get into a very dangerous area of separating individual bad acts and classifying them solely by characteristics they, they might otherwise have that actually gets you into the same place that you are in if you're trying to call out things like sexism and racism, as I know you're doing in an article like this. And I think it's the wrong direction to go. Now, I'm not writing this, and it's a very long article. It appears to be very well-researched, and I don't want to take away from that. But there are lines like this throughout the article that make reference to things that don't appear to be pertinent to the actual claim being made, and it doesn't reflect terribly well on IGN. Continuing, while the majority of our sources also wish to remain anonymous for fear of reprisal or harm to their careers, one ex-Bungie employee was willing to be named Cookie Hipponia, a woman of color whose stories of the team's turmoil were corroborated by a number of others. And again, I want to give full credit to any source that wants to participate in a story like this one with their real name and on the record. I think that deserves credit. It's a hard thing to do. And Cookie Hipponia has done it. And you will see her referenced as effectively the foundational corner piece of this article throughout. They say, she was hired initially as a contractor in 2016. She first started at Bungie as a copy editor and then later as a full-time employee on the narrative team through 2019. So she comes in as a copy editor under contract 2016. She works there for three years. At some point in between 2016 and 2019, she's promoted to a narrative team member as a full-time employee. Hipponia recalled that when she first stepped in, Bungie hadn't had a lot of editing oversight on the Destiny franchise and had not previously focused very much on its story, consistency, or continuity. And if you've played Destiny 1, if you've played Destiny 2, you know this to be the truth. And I think Bungie has at least somewhat gotten better. I don't think they've gotten quite as good as some of the people that are really pro-Destiny 2 at this point. But again, my tilt might be that I hate their business model so much I can't even see the forest for the trees. So take my own opinion there with a grain of salt. But in terms of the years here, what she's saying, she comes in at 2016. That's a couple of years after Destiny 1 was released. It's about a year before Destiny 2 is released. So everything's kind of in process. When she comes in, she says she steps in and nobody was focusing on story consistency or continuity and it was all a mess. I don't know how you can't believe that from what we were able to see of the final product. So that does ring true to me. 
as Eponia puts it, they just had a bunch of people who wrote things and kind of had the run of the place. And yep, that's the kind of dysfunction we would expect from the products that were released as Destiny 1 and Destiny 2 original recipe. Then we continue in the IGN article. One leader from earlier in this period was described by one of our anonymous sources as a sexist nightmare who yelled in meetings and would throw papers across tables. Multiple people told us he would frequently rewrite things at the last minute, often on his way to voice recording sessions. And when people objected to his demeanor, he told them they needed thicker skins and to learn how to take criticism. He called one woman on the team an unmanageable bitch. Another source said he was literally the worst person I've ever worked for. Now, We've got references here to being a sexist nightmare. We don't have an allegation of sexism. We do, again, have the tortured artist kind of look here, changing lines at the last minute, which is undoubtedly annoying if you're writing those lines and certainly something to be criticized for in terms of bad management. But when people objected to his demeanor, he told them to grow thicker skins. This is exactly every bad boss you've ever had. Doesn't mean that's not deserving of an article. Does mean we haven't kind of gotten to the place where I would have expected us to have gotten by this point in the article when it's kind of referenced as an Activision Blizzard counterpoint. He was eventually let go, but was replaced by what our sources say were similarly antagonizing men. One lead frequently made sexist remarks, but also complained about reverse sexism and on at least one occasion made homophobic remarks to a queer colleague. And here I'll take a step back because one of the issues I have here, all of this is important stuff. We're getting into now the things that are more specifically related to a kind of hostile workplace or abusive environment. But what we've got are anonymously sourced, effectively paraphrased descriptions of what IGN was told. We have very few quotes to go on from IGN. And so it's very difficult for anyone on the outside to evaluate context, to evaluate legitimacy. This obviously sounds terrible, and it might well be terrible. It might also be something that is in context a little bit more understandable or somebody that made a mistake in the way that they communicated. It's very difficult to separate all of these stories from what might be okay to what is obviously something that needs to have action taken against it immediately. Now, these are framed in such a way with this level of volume, much like the Activision Blizzard articles, the Wall Street Journal, the lawsuit by California itself, to suggest a systemic issue that isn't being properly addressed. That might well be as well. It's just very difficult for a third party to look at this and say, well, okay, I can at least imagine a world in which the guy's an idiot and communicating improperly, but maybe isn't evil. And yet what you've got is 26 anonymous sources that are willing to frame most of what they saw as very, very negative for reasons that might encompass an abusive work environment, but as we'll see in this article, also encompass more. Hipponia recalled an occasion when said lead attempted to hand off her editing duties to a relatively new employee during a meeting with top Bungie leadership about the need for story continuity, asking her, what is it that you do anyway, before backing off and saying he was just joking around later. Again, assholes, definitely. Are they sexist? I can't really tell. A third narrative lead was called a callous, hierarchical, authoritarian, and curious, cruel leader by one anonymous source who made that quote solely to see if I could pronounce it on the fly. But again, tortured artist, bad person, asshole. Hipponia said he would frequently ask her to do secretarial and administrative tasks like taking notes at meetings or looking up information he could have looked up himself despite her position as a writer and editor on the team. Might be sexist. We need context. Was he just an asshole to everybody? Was he asking anybody to take notes or look stuff up for him? That can happen with leadership. I can tell you from my personal experience as an associate at a large law firm, I was asked to take notes. I was asked to go look up stuff that the partners could have looked up. I 
do not identify as a woman. But they also had female associates that were asked similar things. And I know from personal experience, having talked to them, that it definitely made them more upset than it made me, who wasn't thrilled with the proposition as an attorney in the room. But those kinds of things might be sexism. They might be narcissism. Both bad, but of a different kind of quality when we're talking about these issues facing the game industry in 2021. Others recalled that he frequently insulted people who stood up for themselves, including publicly dressing down the narrative team after they accommodated a last minute request and asked that such a rush not happen again. And I can certainly imagine that kind of dressing down. You know, we need to get the products out, etc. Multiple sources say he also regularly made racist remarks. That's that's important, including a lunch where one source recalled him making a number of inappropriate quips about Latin American gangs. And that's a very specific kind of allegation. I would need more context to know exactly what we're talking about there. I can imagine certain things, some of which are horrible, some of which are maybe less so, but we, again, don't have that context. The veracity of it being racist is effectively assumed by IGN, and we don't get the quotes to even evaluate that for ourselves. Even aside from its turbulent senior members, the narrative team was in chaos throughout the development of Destiny 2 and a number of its follow-up expansions, constantly having to ship new content. It's a live services game. Even though the department was overwhelmed, it was repeatedly denied quests to bring on new full-time team members. The department's upset, thinks they have to work too much, trying to get more people on contract, and the company is refusing them for whatever reason. Those close to the team describe its members working 60, 70, 80, even 100-hour weeks during some expansions. Now, what's interesting here is we would appear to have people that are in the narrative team, including the person that is willing to not be anonymous for part of this article, that didn't give this piece of information. Those close to the team is not those on the team. So I'm a little unclear as to where the 60, 70, 80, or 100-hour weeks are coming from if they weren't experienced by the source that actually talked to IGN. But let's give it the full benefit of the doubt. Certainly, by the time you're working even 60, but certainly 100-hour weeks, you are looking at a team that is going to burn out and probably is justified in requesting new full-time team members, or at least contractors, people that can help carry the load to some extent. Another source said that the team had been told not to crunch. Here's where things get complicated, right? They say they're crunching. They say they need more team members, but they've been told by management not to crunch. One, because it reflects poorly on Bungie in things like news articles, but also because it does do bad things to their team. However, many of the writers felt they had been backed into a corner after the painful release of Destiny 2's first DLC expansion, Curse of Osiris. Now, that's an interesting turn of phrase in and of itself. Now, you might love Curse of Osiris. You may never have heard of it. I will tell you from my experience, it's a bad DLC. It was justifiably complained about online as being a bad DLC that wasn't worth the money that you paid for it. And so the writers might have felt backed into a corner by the company. They might have felt backed into a corner by their own poor work. It becomes very unclear exactly how this went down, except to note that there does appear to be dysfunction across the company. They're not paying attention to their narrative. They have a whole bunch of asshole leadership. And so the Curse of Osiris story had been lambasted on Reddit with a few female narrative team members being singled out for things like harassment, death threats, and vitriol. And multiple sources were aware of one member of leadership still at the studio who emailed Reddit comments about these women to other company leaders in a seeming bid to tear down the narrative team. Again, it doesn't make a ton of sense for this person to pass around just the attacks on women that might have been happening on Reddit. It does make at least more sense for a leader to be communicating with others on what is being said about their DLC, uh, including the whole team. So it's 
it's just a little bit ambiguous and suggestive of it not being quite as some of the sources that are talking to IGN suggest, just in terms of logic. Uh, but maybe this guy's just an absolute sexist asshole and wants to deliver just the things about women on the team to other management at Bungie. We can't know. We can know what IGN's telling us. Doesn't make a ton of sense in terms of a smell test to me. But if it is, then yeah, Bungie's even more toxic than it might otherwise be from just a logical, badly run company kind of perspective. The same leader is also said to have been dismissive during a meeting about the controversy, explaining that no one should be worried because they were just going to bring back the Destiny 1 writing team to solve everything. And I have to laugh at that particular comment because Destiny 1 is the worst written video game on Earth. Maybe not on Earth. We're using a little bit of hyperbole here in virtual reality in case anybody wants to bring a defamation claim for how good the writing is on Destiny 1. But it is very poorly written. This is the game that says, I don't have time to explain what I don't have time to explain. And you don't get anything remotely resembling a cogent story in Destiny 1 itself. So actually threatening the Destiny 2 team with the Destiny 1 writing team might be the most laughable threat ever made in a corporate conference room. In fact, multiple people familiar with the writing team related stories of its members being treated poorly by other departments at the studio being consistently derided when the game was received badly. Now, it might not be the narrative team's fault. You're seeing references to dysfunction at Bungie across this article, but it is worth noting if there is a weak link in Destiny, historically, and maybe that's getting better. I don't play the current expansions. It has been the story. It has been the narrative. It has been the connectivity, the drive, the inciting events, whatever you want to call it. Destiny as a series has had a significant problem with narrative. And there might be excuses, there might be reasons for that that shouldn't lay at the feet of the narrative team, but it doesn't surprise me to see a sentence like, the rest of the company who's making industry-best gunplay, who's making interesting level designs, who's doing interesting things with growth and progression in an online service environment, look at the writing team as dropping the ball. Wouldn't surprise me at all. It's one of the reasons why you have to try to make sure that things are well-managed and not poorly managed. So, so far in this story, what I'm hearing is a, a very poorly run company that has dysfunction across all levels and is lucky to have gotten what we have gotten out the door. As a result, the narrative team was afraid of what would happen if it shipped something else that appeared to the community to be incomplete or not up to standard. Yes, that should be a fear. That should be a fear at all times for anybody releasing a piece of content into the environment when you're asking people for their hard-earned money to purchase it. And, and so I can, I can understand why they're concerned after the Curse of Osiris is so poorly received. But yes, the narrative team should be afraid of what would happen if it shipped something that is incomplete or not up to standard. But here we come with Crunch. Crunch was exacerbated by the constant need for revisions and last minute changes, often worsened by constant conflicts. Some of Bungie's old guard were especially precious about the vision of Destiny 1. You see, you can see IGN editorializing here, right? You say somebody is precious about something, it means they're overly controlling, overly possessive of something that they shouldn't be controlling or possessive about, which is fine. Reluctant to change anything about the tone, characterizations, or direction of the story as the game moved into Destiny 2 and its subsequent expansion. So this new guard, the Destiny 2 team, which we've already seen described at IGN as being more women, more minority representation against the bad, evil white males that are trying to keep them down. They're trying to change the story, and the old guard is somewhat reluctant to go in the directions that they are. There is a creative push and pull here. IGN's chosen its side. This isn't the story so far as yet, in this section especially, of an abusive company, of a company that should have to answer for its sins in the way that Activision Blizzard is currently being called to do. 
it is a dysfunctional company, but IGN is crafting a narrative here that's a bit separated from the facts it has at its disposal. Cinematics team frequently tried to operate independently from the main narrative team. The cinematics team's decision, Hipponia and others recalled, would override decisions made by the narrative team. That doesn't sound healthy or functional. I totally understand being anxious and unhappy with my work environment. Everything described in this article would have me leaving. The clashes of these different interests caused further troubles as underrepresented writers and allies on the team endeavored to make Destiny's story more inclusive and thoughtful in its portrayals. Those familiar with the writing team were aware of numerous scenarios where higher-up male narrative team members wanted to portray women in ways that were degrading, tone-deaf, or casually sexist. And again, we have to point out that Hipponia here is a member of the narrative team, isn't giving these quotes, right? This is familiar with the writing team. The non-lead writers, both women and allies, would push back, fighting to tell the kinds of hopeful and empowering stories with Destiny's women that were so often told through its male characters. Now, I might have a blind spot here. I'm fully willing to admit that. I will tell you that I haven't really thought of Destiny's characters uh, by gender. There are very strong women in Destiny, and there are very strong men, many of which who get shot uh, on, on both sides of that particular spectrum. But you see, again, IGN framing this in a particular way, right? They're, they're trying to tell you the story of a dysfunctional fun company, which I think they have done. And then they're also simultaneously trying to tell you a story of a narrative team here that's put upon. He says, narrative team members wanted to portray women in ways that were degrading, tone-deaf, or casually sexist. The higher-up male ones did, while the non-leads, women, allies, the good guys, would push back, fighting to tell kinds of hopeful and empowering stories with Destiny's women that were told through the males. And unfortunately, all we get is IGN's editorial here. IGN could be entirely right. Their anonymous sources could be entirely right. There could be really bad stuff that Destiny's male narrative team members wanted to do with the characters in Destiny that were held back or fought against by this other group of non-lead writers. Unfortunately, we have to take their word for it. Presumably, their sources include these non-lead writers. Uh, but either way, we've got this kind of bad guy versus good guy portrayal, which I can't speak to your life experiences, doesn't match mine. It's very easy to see things in black and white. Chances are there were areas of gray here. And what is casually sexist to one person is not to another. And what is empowering is... Uh, effectively banal and not a good story to others. So you have creative conflicts, which are normal in the act of creation, framed in a specific way. I think because Bungie called for it by putting that Twitter thread out there, by putting those blog posts out there, and really doesn't speak necessarily yet to what we're talking about when we talk about problems in the industry. A number of sources told stories of male narrative leads at the studio who pushed forward storylines for characters like Eris Morn, Marasov, Anna Bray, Akora Ray, Surya Hawthorne, I'm sure I messed that one up, and others that learned leaned on harmful stereotypes of women and mental health struggles, often despite objections from women and supportive allies across the studio. And here is, again, where my yellow flag is raised. Right, every single character mentioned here is a female in the Destiny universe. Eris Morn, this is just personal. Uh, Eris Morn is one of my favorite characters that Bungie has created in forever. And Eris Morn is essentially a tortured soul that had seen things, and I believe is probably the reference here to mental health struggles because she's not okay, folks. And she was great every time she appeared. She was one of the highlights, even in the original kind of Destiny framework. And so you call out things like this as effectively leaning on harmful stereotypes of women and mental health struggles. I look at that and say, no, Eris is a great character who has flaws and happens to be a woman. That's what I want to see more of. And it's unclear to me exactly what they're pulling out as problematic here. Cora Ray was pretty good. 
Anna Bray is okay. Mara Sov, everybody's favorite queen at this point in time, is getting interesting stories told about them. Is that because the Destiny 2 leads have taken over at this point in time? Maybe. I don't know. But as described here, Eris especially is one of my favorite characters and was one of my favorite characters really from early on uh, in Destiny. So it becomes unclear as to what we're editorializing, what's driven by agenda, what's an actually significant abusive issue, what's dysfunction, and more. And unfortunately, when we're reading through a story like this, it's important to be able to separate those things. And I frankly just can't as we look at this. I could go on for a long time, and this is in green, that means it's a direct quote, about all the ways women have been made to stand by as the men on the team have written characters in baffling, unrecognizable ways, said a source familiar with the matter. Not a lot to go on for what exactly that source had as access to these kinds of questions, but clearly upset about the men on the team. Then we get a very interesting anecdote. I think this was reported on in a couple of places when this story first broke. It says, a member of the writing team added in a tiny piece of dialogue for Devrim, who's one of the quest givers, referring to missing his partner. It was a single small line among many other lines intended to be said, and these are kind of designed to give life to the world of Destiny. And it was passed by multiple edits and checks, was put into a build of the game before someone high up at the studio noticed it and demanded it to be taken out or else they couldn't ship the game in Russia or China because of the mere implication of a gay romance. And we've seen this kind of thing in pop culture. We see it in Disney movies with them editing out things to sell in other markets. And the someone at Bungie got upset. And then anyway, because there was still a reference to someone named Mark in the game, Bungie was lauded for including a gay character. Bungie's writers had tried to gently make their story more inclusive with Destiny's first canon gay relationship, but Bungie leadership had tried to stop it and got to enjoy positive attention anyway, says one source who recalled being furious. I can certainly imagine being furious at that specific turn of events. Certainly an interesting story uh, and certainly another instance of dysfunction. There's no way that somebody shouldn't be having an objection to this if they do have an objection to it well before edits and checks and it goes into a build, everything else. And yet, changing lines on the fly, probably not that unusual for a game company that's being run like this. In all of these situations, the members of the writing team who fought for change would routinely be told they were difficult to work with, not supportive enough of their leaders, or were aggressive or abrasive and needed to be better at taking criticism. And these criticisms would often hold them back from getting promotions and the like. Now, the question, of course, always is, were were you abrasive? Did did you need to be better at taking criticism? Maybe not. Certainly, this kind of line has been seen to hold people back in unfair ways, uh, and we've got evidence of that across many industries, across many years. But also, there can be individuals that are in fact abrasive and not good at taking criticism. And, and we'll see another section that I think highlights that in this article and kind of the the way it's drafted and put together a little bit later on. We, Hipponia herself says she was held back because she wasn't good enough at the game which I originally took to mean, okay, she wasn't writing it well enough or something along those lines, but it appears is implied here as not actually being good enough at playing the game Destiny, which I'm not sure would ever be a requirement for writing the game Destiny. Uh, nevertheless, that apparently held her back. She wasn't given time to work and, and improve at play. And yeah, I, I don't know why they would give you time to play the game at work, except if they're asking you to be good at the game. So it's a little bit odd. I, I don't know. That that one rings weirdly to me. Certainly it rings as if they don't like her. If they ask, actually made this request, they, they are somewhat upset at her or the narrative team or everything that is dysfunction that's described above would seem to be legitimized by that kind of request. But it's an odd one, certainly. 
She also said that her own stress levels skyrocketed during her time at Bungie, increasing her need for anti-anxiety medication and therapy and ultimately resulting in stress-related gastrointestinal issues that required surgery. And there's a bunch of references to medical maladies here. We're going to talk about that more in just a bit. In 2019, the situation became untenable. I asked you to put a pin in that date because one thing that's important to note is that like Activision Blizzard, everything here would appear to come to a head in part in 2019. And part of what Bungie is going to say, and I'll try not to call them Blizzard, even though my brain wants to, because we've talked about that company so much, is that, well, we've fixed everything. It's all in the past. We're making strides. You saw that in the September blog post from Bungie. You'll see it again at the end of this video. It wasn't until multiple writers quit or threatened to quit all at once, including every woman on the narrative team, that Bungie finally dismissed the leads responsible for the chaos and began to take the team's concerns more seriously. And that is a very legitimizing sentence, right? If that is what happened, we have no reason to believe it isn't. It's not the kind of thing that IGN is editorializing on. Every woman on the narrative team threatens to quit. That gets Bungie's attention and they take out the leads that are the most dysfunctional in 2019. That's a big deal. And it does signal Bungie trying to fix things from what they used to do. It just isn't quite the damning section that it appears IGN wanted to put forth. So you can see the intro to the next one. While it may be the best example, narrative is far from the only department to have suffered this way. So now we know this article isn't really about what Activision Blizzard was going through. It isn't about Cosby Rooms. It isn't about cube crawls or those stories. It's about a generalized feeling of being put upon by bad management, which may or may not rise to the level of the ism concerns. And I want to tell you, I've said this earlier in the video, I wouldn't work at a place like this. You might note, I am a single proprietor. I started my own law firm. I was in big law for more than a decade. I had people tell me you can either be a firm man or a family man. In a closed door meeting, when I was moving my hours around in the Christmas season, and it was then when I decided that I would be framing my exit. Toot sweet. So I know how that feels. I know that there are bad circumstances that people are forced to work in and I feel badly for them, but we have to be careful to distinguish bad work environments with asshole managers and what Activision Blizzard is currently facing. IGN continues, says, when I read Bungie's response to Activision Blizzard, which it isn't formally labeled as, I laughed. This was not my experience there. They have that core value that they don't tolerate assholes even if they're rock stars, but they totally do. One top-level company leader who had been with Bungie since Halo was described by sources as an asshole. Well, there you go. Who would constantly disparage others, was dismissive of those who brought up the company's toxic culture, didn't bother to learn anyone's name, and whose inappropriate work wardrobe at one point included a shirt that advertised free lap rides. So, three-quarters of that is what we've been talking about. Assholes, bad managers. The last part, much more significant. If you're bringing a free lap rides shirt to work, general counsel, HR, should be talking to you, and it would appear that they didn't. That's worthy of note. One described another as just torturing his staff, while another described multiple instances of sexist and racist remarks. We don't actually get what that means, so we can't evaluate it ourselves. Another source close to his team described numerous instances of him intimidating employees in one-on-one meetings and viciously berating his team. Why? When work didn't meet his standards. Now, there are ways to do this that are acceptable, and there are ways to do it that are unacceptable, right? If you've ever been in a room with someone that is unhappy with your work product, you can get yelled at in a work environment. And some of that is going to be legitimate. Some of the time, 
The employees don't deliver good work product. And you should try to be respectful of their professional position and try to get that work product out in in an efficient and successful way. Sometimes it happens a second time. Sometimes it happens a third time. And it's all right for management to get upset and express that upsetness to you. It isn't all right for that to be your standard operating procedure when people are putting together good work and you're just not accepting it and you're just otherwise being a problem. But this, to me, this entire article, to some extent, sounds much more of a generational divide than a sexism or racism divide to me. Uh, That what might have been acceptable to say or act as in the 90s, not just in terms of sexism or, or racism, but just in terms of how you operate, how you communicate with people, how you ask for better work product, how you go and do the thing that you need to do to get the product out the door is perhaps not as acceptable to the next generation of folks or the generation after that. We're in 2021. I mean, we're a long time away from when Bungie was started and was putting out Marathon or Myth or whatever else you might like from their original recipe video games. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not picking a side on that particular issue. In fact, a lot of folks that are coming up have a lot of good ideas about how the workplace shouldn't be run. We shouldn't be running things like Mad Men did back in the 50s and 60s. That's totally understood. You look at these kinds of situations, though, you can have the benefit of the doubt for someone operating in a management capacity who is berating his team and maybe doesn't think that that is something going too far, when in 2021, it might well be. But you have this kind of divide, and it's just very unclear whether that's the case or whether we're really dealing with evil and bad people at Bungie when effectively this entire article is just IGN's paraphrasing and editorializing. In the vast majority of these cases, sources felt their stories were too specific to share in this piece without personally identifying themselves and risking either retaliation at work or violating a non-disparagement agreement, which many former employees we spoke to say they felt pressured to sign upon departing the company. Now, first of all, just speaking to IGN might well be a violation of that agreement in and of itself, but a number of folks actually sent me this article and asked me to make this video and talk to you about it because of this sentence uh, about a non-disparagement agreement. So I don't know what their situation is. They're a Washington-based company. I don't know exactly uh, what they are and aren't allowed to do when people leave their employ. I can tell you it's a fairly standard requirement in most circumstances in order to get severance. Right? If you're going to leave a company and you want to get a severance payment on your way out for work you're not doing, right? it's completely separate, then you're going to have to agree to certain things. You're going to have to agree to things like, I'm not going to uh, potentially say bad things. That's your non-disparagement. I am going to release all claims I might have against the company on my way out. Uh, I'm not going to sue you after this all goes down and you pay me my severance. And you can generally reject these things. You're leaving. You don't want that money. You want to be able to say whatever you want. You can reject it and walk out the door. But... In a lot of instances, that severance is a nice paycheck and you want to do it and you don't really think you have anything bad to say about the company or any claims to release in the first instance. It's just a nice bonus. They get that paperwork in their file and you go on about your life. But if you do have a problem with the company, it can create a bit of a blockage for you. You've got a signed document here that says you'll get in trouble if you disparage the company, if you do other things against the company's will. That's what you got paid for. And so maybe you don't want to talk to IGN. Now, apparently you still do it anonymously, but it is part of this. And I, I know a number of you might come into the comments, otherwise talk about this as the way corporations work and say, well, they're just bribing you not to say anything. And you can definitely frame it that way. What I would argue is, is that you're trying to keep your books clean. You're trying to make sure that what you don't know can't hurt you, that somebody turns around and otherwise impacts your goodwill or your share price if you're a public company, which Bungie isn't, or otherwise harms your company in some way. And so you just 
have those severances go out and make sure that everything is kind of diffused uh, as they go out the door. And if they do have a claim, they can look at that and say, oh, I don't want to give up that claim. And then Bungie also knows something about what's coming back at it uh, after this employee leaves their employ. I draft these kinds of things, so I'm probably biased in my uh, understanding of them. You can certainly accuse me of that. I know a number of you will, uh, but I don't view it as problematically as some of you might. Again, that's the corporate lawyer in me. Do with it what you will. There was at least one longstanding Bungie employee at HR still with the company who almost all of our sources described as actively protecting harmful individuals. One person recalled them as incredibly insulting to various employees behind their backs and being catty towards women about how they dressed, including calling a woman a slut. Now, what's interesting about this is one, you didn't you don't want to have somebody in HR that is just actively protecting harmful individuals, even as good corporate governance. You might think hiding things under the rug is beneficial to you, but if you're running a company, your HR should be at bare minimum identifying the problems and acting against them, or else you find yourself on this end of an IGN article. The other thing that's worth noting is that IGN deliberately doesn't frame this HR individual as a man, which based on the rest of their article and their willingness to do so in almost every other instance would seem to indicate this is a woman. So you also have this kind of reflection of of, of women attacking women at the office, which doesn't do great for their sexism narrative, but also suggests an even more dysfunctional environment than the one that they framed out. Bare minimum, Bungie appears to have had a very rough way of managing employees maybe just women and minorities, but maybe everyone, for a significant amount of time before this article. And then you get a bunch of quotes that are expected and, frankly, correct. They have the sources say, HR generally exists to protect the company rather than its employees. HR has never been there to protect employees. They've always been there to protect the company. I've watched it happen a few times at Bungie where someone went to HR and things went completely sideways for them. HR is a compliance function at a corporate entity designed to not have these articles written about the company and to take care of potential company liabilities. However, take care might look in a specific instance, hopefully not killing people and throwing them in the river, but otherwise making sure that bad apples are addressed, punished, hopefully, and otherwise that contracts get signed and things get settled so that there isn't a continuing problem for the company. HR is there for the company. The company doesn't pay them in order to just protect employees, even though it's essentially kind of a side goal because you want to be seen as legally compliant. You don't want to have articles like this written about you. Women especially have struggled at Bungie over the years, says IGN. Multiple women I spoke with described an environment where many men cultivated a pervasive atmosphere in which women were inferior. Multiple sources said women were disproportionately talked over in meetings, had their ability to do their jobs questioned, had their ideas ignored, and then used by men who later took credit for them or simply had their questions or input dismissed. Issues that also seem to have impacted people of color at the studio of all genders, although women of color were especially impacted. So they're setting up kind of a hierarchy of impact here. This is important stuff. Uh, It also is difficult for us to assess on our own because we are looking at 26 anonymous sources, primarily of the disgruntled employee variety. They might be framing out a systemic issue. They might be employees that weren't treated properly that point these out to a, to a magazine like IGN. And I don't want to dismiss them. I think chances are this is legitimate, but I just can't assess it at all when IGN says it's a pervasive atmosphere in which women were inferior. You've got these sources that say things like my questions or input were dismissed. One woman recalled numerous meetings where she would give feedback and it seemed as though no one had even heard her. I was completely invisible. That sounds horrible. But 
I don't know whether that happens on a systemic level or whether you were somebody that wasn't liked. A lot of women were put on what I would call unappealing projects that were going to end up having major crunch issues, maybe even potential quality issues, things that were not even funded very well, which again, sounds very bad. Was this a place where they put women specifically? Were they on there with other folks? Were they on there with other folks that weren't liked? Were those people that weren't liked? Were other women in different offices? I don't know the answer to any of these questions. All we've got here are women or sources that are saying this about the way Bungie operated, and we can't evaluate it for context. Too often, she said it boiled down to who the top-level men at Bungie were friends with, and then who those people were friends with and who was in the in-group. And I think that can certainly happen at companies. I think that's one of the best kind of criticisms here of the way that the company appears to have functioned. We talk somewhat substantially here in virtual legality about the fact that there's a difference between a small company run by six friends, then by even 25 people, and someone that's running and managing 800 people, and that you might not ever give up that kind of connectivity with the people that you like and the people that they like, and that can create an in-group. And if you do have representation by only one specific identifying block, that can create inequities in the way that you run your company. And I think that's a legitimate thing to be concerned with at Bungie itself. We don't know exactly what that looked like in practice because basically the whole company makes one game right now. Another source recalled upper management men at Bungie having code names for the women at the studio they found attractive. We don't get any more indication on that. Obviously, if that's true, that's pretty horrible. One producer was frequently mentioned by sources for routinely making sexist comments and openly talking about his love life and asking his colleagues to comment on images of women he brought up on Tinder. Yep, that'll do it. That's the kind of thing that is closer to the Activision Blizzard side of accusations uh, than a lot of the rest of this article. Though he was eventually fired, one former employee recalls a number of his colleagues discussing his departure shortly after as a good guy who got taken out by political correctness, suggesting the women who reported him just needed to get a sense of humor. And if anything comes out of this article, there should be the notion that there appears to be a significant divide, whether it's across identity lines or otherwise, between certain folks at Narrative and other places in the company and others who are more concerned about these issues than that first group would appear to be. And you can think that's a terrible thing, or you can think that that's basically the way that the company works. I can't tell you how to feel about that, but there appears to be a cultural issue at the company itself. Another male employee was observed by a number of sources repeatedly harassing his female direct reports with sexual comments and unwanted hugs. There's your hostile workplace. There's your abusive environment. That's very bad. These kinds of sentences here, this section, much more significant in my eyes from a legal perspective on the Activision Blizzard side of things than some of the rest of the article. Other underrepresented groups had different struggles. Several recounted stories of managers and leads making racist remarks, very bad, or even using slurs to refer to more diverse Destiny characters. Okay, so, so fictional people. Again, still very bad, but maybe less bad than an actual person. And in at least one instance, an individual at the studio. And there's where the rubber hits the road. Obviously, completely unacceptable in a work environment. I would want to hear more about that story. Several employees also witnessed discrimination against transgender individuals at the studio, including questions about which bathrooms they were using, refusal to use correct pronouns, and other inappropriate questions. And again, I'm not saying anybody is wrong in assessing these kinds of things, but it's a clear expansion of what Activision Blizzard was talking about and really what the, what the law covers on most of these questions right now, rightly or wrongly. As I've said before in virtual legality, the law, ethics, morality, they aren't always easy bedfellows. They don't always go together in the way that you or I might want. From 2016 to 2018, Hipponia became part of an internal diversity committee. About half of the original committee was made up of diverse individuals from various departments who were there to push for change, but the other half was made up of company leaders, all white, 
who Hipponia and other sources say put roadblocks in at every turn. And again, you get this kind of framework of diverse individuals good, white leaders bad, and this is a problem for the way this is functioning. Certainly there is dysfunction at the company, uh, but I, you know, it's very difficult to say exactly whether or not that dysfunction uh, is problematic in this specific instance and whether there was a certain amount of functionality. What are the complaints here? Pushes to add a gender-neutral bathroom to the company to support the Black Lives Matter movement and to complete a survey that would rate Bungie on its LGBTQ plus equality and inclusion were all stymied or rejected. And I'd be very interested to know what stymied means in this particular context. But a lot of these things specifically supported the Black Lives Matter movement, which you might like or might not like, depending on where you're coming from in a specific direction here, are things that are not within their core competencies, are not specific to Bungie putting out Destiny or otherwise making a video game. And every company on earth was dealing with these kinds of questions, especially in 2020. Hipponi and other diverse members began to quit the committee in 2018. As the committee bled members, Bungie eventually decided that it was overall ineffective and shut it down entirely, which Bungie rejects. Says, Bungie says, we do not accept that we shut it down entirely. Instead, we reformed it. As IGN says here, we, there's a quote, we do not want to deny or refute any statements regarding individual experiences. However, in respect to the hardworking members of our committee, we believe it is important to recognize the fact that the BDC was never deemed overall ineffective, nor was it shut down. Our members, currently 100% composed of individuals from underrepresented communities, deserve to be accurately remembered for their unceasing efforts. Another group that met extraordinary challenges at Bungie were those who dealt with physical or mental health issues. And again, at the risk of sounding callous on these points, we simply can't know exactly how legitimate these particular grievances are. While Bungie's company health benefits were lauded by many we spoke to, so a lot of people, a lot of the sources themselves, said the company provides great health benefits, a number of people also mentioned struggling or knowing people who struggled for which Bungie was not just unaccommodating, but sometimes even hostile. One individual with health issues was forced to self-medicate with leftover medication from a previous surgery because they weren't allowed to take any more time off. One person who was dealing with a grief over a death in the family said they were penalized in a review period for being abrasive and uncommunicative during that time, despite their manager knowing the context. Multiple sources knew of individuals on the autism spectrum who struggled with receiving negative feedback without concrete direction on how to improve communication. And other individuals described situations where they took time off to deal with personal or familial health issues only to return and seemingly be penalized by moving on to a less desirable project. Now, we want companies to treat people with respect and to give them the opportunity to heal from physical or mental health problems as is warranted. And I think that can be agreed upon by all of my commenters and really probably, hopefully, everyone in the world. That said, we also know of individuals who take advantage of systems like this one. We know of individuals who try to take extra time off. We know of individuals who try to use the grief over a death in the family to be abrasive and uncommunicative, understanding that the rest of this article is talking about a company that is too abrasive and potentially too uncommunicative. And having a grief over death, completely acceptable, completely in the human experience, that doesn't give you an excuse to be abrasive to your coworkers or to your bosses or to whoever. So if they were penalized in a review period for saying, well, you, you, were, you were a bit much during that particular portion, you can get respect. You can get into a position where the company understands what you're going through and you still can't do this kind of stuff. As a matter of fact, you'd argue that this is what Bungie should be trying to stamp out at their company with the response being, well, maybe you should take more time off because you're not ready to be back here. And I don't know what this looked like. 
I don't know what any of these things looked like. They weren't allowed to take any more time off. Asks the question, how much time did you take off? What's the standard amount of time for that surgery? How long does Bungie have to accept that particular state of affairs? I feel for people on the autism spectrum. I don't know whether they were told how to improve communication. These sources say they weren't. Very easy to get negative feedback if your communication is poor. And if you are off for long periods of time, yes, you might be moved to a different project because whatever's on deadline or more desirable, as the IGN puts it, isn't something that they can trust you to be available for. And that's okay. But this entire set of paragraphs is adding on. This is a volume play by IGN to add on to the notion that Bungie is unwelcoming to people in a way that I personally, reading closely this article, very concerned about how the industry is operating, very concerned with Activision Blizzard and Riot and the other things that we're seeing across the spectrum of the industry and looking at this and saying, hmm, you're kind of piling on in things that I can't tell whether they're legitimately bad or not. And IGN ultimately winds up saying something like that, but not quite. Among many of our sources was a cognizance that in a strange way, Bungie was better than many other game studios. Few people were aware of any overt physical harassment or assault, and a few barely encountered any inappropriate behavior at all. That seems more significant than three quarters of the way through the article. But it's buried here. And why is it buried? Well, as one woman put it, it's not necessary to have a Cosby Suite level scandal for a company's culture to be problematic. It's very easy to be like, we don't have pictures of naked women postering the office, therefore we're not sexist. Well, you are, but it's a lot of subtle things you haven't picked up on. It's pay discrepancy, which this is just a quote, and IGN just allows it to go straight in here without anything in this article about pay discrepancy. It's looking at the data and seeing how many women leave, how many minorities leave. All these things are indicators that there is a problem, not just being content that you've never heard anyone say anything racist. And this is that expansion, right? We've seen it through the article. We've seen it even in Activision Blizzard with some of the things that a better ABK asks for. And that is, yes, we've clearly got a real problem with certain aspects of the industry at Riot, at Ubisoft, at Activision that are currently being sued, investigated, or otherwise trying to change. And what you've got here is an expansion of that. Well, even if you don't do that stuff, there's still stuff you can improve. Everybody can improve. Every company on earth can improve. But by dovetailing these stories together, you create a situation where one, it's clear that you're trying to expand the playing field for what you want to do. And two, you make it vastly easier for people to dismiss. You make it easier for people to dismiss, by the way, not just you, not just your complaints about, well, we don't say anything racist. We don't post for the walls, but there's still problems here, not just to dismiss you, but to dismiss Activision Blizzard and to dismiss Riot and to dismiss Ubisoft. And that to me is a problem because we have to fix the real issues first, and then we can expand to these kinds of things. But right now, you've got people jumping on this. There's blood in the water, you've heard me say, and it creates a problem. Now, the rest of this article is primarily focused on Bungie's response. We're gonna look at that, of course. We're also gonna be talking about how maybe there's tilt either from IGN or from you or me as we look at this issue at Bungie compared to some of the other places. We'll finish off with the end of their article, though. One current Bungie employee said the studio is full of well-meaning people, even at a leadership level. They do care about social causes. The criticism we have at a studio level is that they just don't know how to push those causes forward. That's probably accurate. They're a video game company. A former employee remarked that it was all too often the job of the minorities at the studio to educate everyone else, a job that inevitably meant doing extra unpaid labor. So you have that kind of enacting my labor concept that you see significantly often 
on Twitter and social media and the like. I'll say this. I can get how that can be frustrating, but if you want your employer to do something for your social cause, it's basically on you to tell them exactly what you want, why it's important, and why they should devote their resources to it. Yes, that's extra unpaid labor. That's what people that support social causes do. I'm not terribly sympathetic to this particular line of argument. And at the very end here, we get the reason I titled my video this way. I think this is exactly what happened to Bungie. The tweet, the Twitter thread was so frustrating because positioning yourself as we're not the problem in response to systemic industry-wide misogyny perpetuates the problem. And the passive mention of wrongdoing is disingenuous to the victims who were harmed on your watch. Own your failures, stop hiding them. We know it is known. And that's how, in my opinion, you get an article written about you in IGN, even though I would say based on what's in this very, very, very long article, we aren't even really remotely close to talking about what Activision Blizzard has done. And in terms of what they're doing in response, we can take a look at what Bungie said when this article was released. The guardrails weren't in place everywhere to ensure that our values were being upheld. In some cases, people didn't consistently feel comfortable reporting concerns or their concerns weren't always addressed promptly or properly. We will always treat each other with dignity and respect. And regardless of differences, voices will be heard, perspectives welcomed, and contributions valued. We've made progress over the last few years, fostering diversity and creating a better work environment. I truly wish not a single employee had had an experience at work that resulted in hurt, humiliation, or worse. And to those who were affected, I sincerely apologize. You have my commitment that we will do everything possible to honor our values and create the workplace every member of this team deserves. With thanks and deepest gratitude, Bobby. Wait, Bobby? Oh no, it appears I read the wrong one. I want to offer you my sincere gratitude for your continued focus and dedication to our players. My goal and the goal of our board, our entire senior corporate team, our business unit leaders and their teams is to make sure you have the resources, culture, and commitment from leadership you need to succeed. A letter from CEO Bobby Kotick. How could I make that mistake? Well, certainly Bungie's response sounds completely different from that. A message from Bungie CEO Pete Parsons. First, I want to apologize to anyone who has ever experienced anything less than a safe, fair, and professional working environment at Bungie. I apologize personally and on behalf of everyone at Bungie who I know feels a deep sense of em empathy and sadness reading through these accounts. Over the last several years, we've worked to make significant changes at Bungie. I think I did. I just, I just read that. We have removed bad actors from our studio. We believe the people whose behavior warranted removal from our company have been terminated. We have focused on better planning and more reasonable release dates. We've reconstituted and invested in our efforts towards a stronger inclusion, diversity, and equity approach. In 2021, we started to conduct reviews of our hiring compensation and promotion practices. We've got better percentages than we used to have. Speaking with the team at Bungie, reading the stories and seeing both known and newly surfaced accounts, it is clear we still have work ahead of us. I am committed to it. We are not yet the studio we have the potential to become, but we are on our way. And we will not rest or slow these efforts because we recognize that the journey of inclusivity, diversity, and equity is in itself the destination we all strive towards. Pete, instead of Bobby. He didn't even use an uppercase level. Isn't he a man of the people? As you can see, of course, I deliberately pointed out that the language of all of these statements is effectively the same. So how you feel about these things, whether you finish with the excoriation of Activision Blizzard or with IGN's light handling of Bungie's really getting better and let's quote a hundred things from Pete Parsons' statement here is in large part a function of what you feel about these companies to start with. Now, as I pointed out, 
I don't think the IGN article is remotely as damning as some of the stuff that has come out about Activision Blizzard. So that can be a part of your evaluation as well. But understand when you're looking at a statement from Bobby Kotick or you're looking at a statement from Pete Parsons, these things are vetted to hell and back by crisis communications, public relations professionals, litigators, corporate counsel, outside counsel, maybe politicians, whoever else you might have trying to make sure that your message is right, which is why basically how you feel about these companies when you look at these kinds of things is all a matter of how you feel about them personally. They otherwise say exactly the same thing as I tried to point out by accidentally, you know, reading Bobby's statement first. So that's what I wanted to say about Bungie. I did expect that I would be making this video before I read the article specifically about how Bungie had tried to avoid significant complaints. I think there are significant things said here, but at the end of the day, what I see is a company that never really graduated into running a professional organization and did have assholes, despite whatever their corporate statements might have about not accepting assholes throughout their management team with people justifiably upset about that level of toxicity that they don't have what they want out of a professional career that is trying to be tied to the moment, to the things that are a very real problem at the companies that we are looking at more regularly in virtual legality. And unfortunately, in my opinion, diminishing the spotlight that is rightly put on those problems in the first place. This has been Virtual Legality for today. If you enjoy this conversation, if you find value in what we do here, please consider supporting the channel. We've got a Patreon where most of our support comes from, but we have other ways to support the channel. Also listed down below, we've got fun shirts and mugs and things, and I'm gonna be trying to do more products in 2022 that you can check out. Otherwise, just subscribing, upvoting, downvoting if you really hate it, telling your friends that we're having these conversations about important issues, as well as issues just related to video games and pop culture in general, will help us grow the channel, and I very much appreciate it. If you caught this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it as a podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.